for tuning in to the Slow Wealth Podcast that is Success Lives on Elevation. I am Kendra. And Ramon. And as we have with our previous shows, we always start off with a powerful motivational quote. Today we're going to give you two. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, it starts by saying the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God will not protect you. That is the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God will protect you. Mm, okay. And the second part is your feet are about to be planted in rooms no one thought you were qualified for. Woo, let me say that again. For the for the proves the, the pews in the back. Your feet are about to be planted in rooms no one thought you were qualified for. Boy. Boom. Boom. We need to drag this. <laughs> well, we are so glad to be back as you can hear in the sound of my voice and the smile across my face. You can't see it, but you can definitely hear it. Um, you can we, hear a smile. Yeah, you can hear a smile. You know, in customer service, they always say, smile through the phone. You know, because you can hear people's enthusiasm. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, we are excited to be back. We took a hiatus because you know what? Every once in a while, you need to allow your mind and your body time to rest and recuperate so that you'll come back and be stronger and better. And that's what we have for y'all, um, this, this year. So what else? What we got? What we got today? Oh man. Yay. We're excited. And remember to subscribe both to our YouTube channel and to our podcast. Again, that is Success Lives on Elevation, Slow Wealth, S-L-O-E. So today for our podcast, we have Why Aren't You the Landlord? Why aren't you the landlord? What what is your, just give me a quick synopsis of why people don't want to be a landlord, Ramon. Why aren't they the landlord? Because they're stupid. (laughs) Inside joke, (laughs) y'all. It's funny though, but why aren't when you talk to people and they find out what no, you they're do? They're scared. They're scared. Yeah, that's that's what I was scared gonna say. to be a landlord, and people scare them out of doing it because oh, I did it before and it was this and it was that and it was bad and all of that you know crazy stuff. So I think uh, yeah, it's really fear. It is. It is really fear. And I was just listening to somebody today. And he said, it's not really the fear of doing. It's the fear of what other people will think. Yeah, too. People are going to criticize good and bad. Right. That don't matter. And good and bad comes from everything. You know, you waking up, jumping in your car is a possibility you can get in a car accident. But, hey, you can arrive to your destination on time, too. So um, you can't really go through life being fearful personally i think that when it's that time and i go to that upper room i want to sit back and be like i can't believe i did that rather than i can't believe i didn't do that mm-hmm. you know i'd rather have regrets about what i did than what i didn't do you should be you should be fearful of being broke yes you should be fearful of dying 
with no assets and emotionally bankrupt that too financially <laughs> bankrupt yeah. financially and emotionally <laughs> bankrupt you should want to die and have people wondering how they're going to pay you for your funeral yeah definitely starting to go fund me yeah uh, selling chicken thing. dinners fish yeah. dinners yeah and a lot of our people do that unfortunately I just saw some people over over here trying to raise money for their dead one, and they were Mexican, you know? So they basically kind of did the same thing that we do. They had a dinner. Huh. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, being a landlord is, is, is not all bad. It's really not all bad because, you know, I think it's some empowerment. It's empowerment. It's empowering being the landlord. You know, it is empowering. Getting that rent check, telling folks what they can, can do on your property. I, I mean, it's not just that. Uh, it's not just pulling don't ego. Don't park there. <laughs> Get your... No. But, you know, I'm serious, though. It's, it's When you're in an apartment, you can only do what they tell you you can do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You park in the wrong spot, or, you know, if you got visitors and they park in the wrong spot, they get towed. You know, uh, you can get fined for so many things. You know, it's just a lot. And then the main thing is that rent, you'll never get that back. Yes, that's so true. And it doesn't go anywhere. It's not invested into your future. It's only invested into the month that you occupy that unit or that house. Right, it goes somewhere. It goes to the owner. Well, I'm saying as far as your growth. I mean, yeah. it allows mm -hmm. you to have... Okay, rent will allow you to have a place to stay. Yep. It doesn't necessarily... A, um, guarantee you a place to stay because now I'm starting to see a lot of leases that are only for one year and, and the, the negotiation past that is usually once that year is up that rent is going up significantly not a small percentage not 50 to 75 dollars in some cases where I told you um one of the ladies that uh, that I go to for on my beauty day, um, she was telling me that her rent went up like almost twelve hundred dollars because that's that's the market in her area. Uh -huh. So she went from like paying I think it was probably about I don't know eight nine hundred dollars, and she said they were taking it up to two thousand dollars, and she said that all that they did was a couple of different updates but it wasn't two thousand dollars worth it was literally because of the market she lives in mm -hmm. east austin too mm -hmm. um but that that's it it wasn't it wasn't a significant you know what i mean well, like I'm saying you know for, development or anything as a renter yeah it doesn't look it doesn't look good no it doesn't it looks stupid <laughs> until you're on the other side yeah you when you're on the other side and you're going from eight nine hundred to $2,000. Yeah, absolutely. Man. And see, that's why we're saying we're going we're gonna to show you why it makes no sense for you to not be the landlord. I mean, really, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense for you to be renting. We get it, though. You know, there's, there's reasons why you want to rent. And it's not to say that you're stupid for renting. It is if you have the opportunity to not rent. And to be become a landlord, 
uh, I don't think any time is better than now because you have a lot of property that is out here mm -hmm. that's going to be coming up on the market. You have uh, the interest rates are historically low still. There's a lot of money out here to be had. And, uh, man, it's a good time. Good time to be alive. It's a good time to be alive. Every day good day to be alive. Okay, so <laughs> let, let, let's, let's get it. Let's get it. So, as you know, today's subject is why aren't you the landlord? And on our show notes, Ramon wrote legacy. So I want him to explain to me what he says or what he thinks of legacy. And I'm going to give you the, the you know, I'm always going to give you the definition, the Webster. Okay, well, give me the Merriam-Webster. Okay, I'll start with that. So... And um, in talking to people about generational wealth and legacy, I think that people think of them as two different things. They're actually the same thing, but they go about different paths. So when you think about legacy, legacy isn't always just something that you hand to your, for instance, children, right? Mm -hmm. um, as an asset. A legacy could be a mindset. It could be my daddy took me every day to go look at houses. So that was the legacy that you left behind for your child because he's like, I want to be an investor. He or she is like, I want to be an investor too because my daddy was an investor and I went to go pick up rent checks and we went to go look at houses and I helped him, you know, hammer a couple things in the wall, you know, just, you know, little things like that. Legacy can be a mentality. It's not always about assets, whereas generational wealth is more about assets. But let's get to the Merriam-Webster dictionary um, definition. So legacy is something that is transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor. Mm -hmm. And then generational wealth are assets passed by one generation of family to the next so again, legacy doesn't necessarily have to be um, a tangible asset. It could be something that that they left you with. And you know what? I think the I think the non tangible, uh, in many cases, is more valuable than the tangible. Yeah, because they're leaving you with that information. And that's the thing, you know. Had a lot of the non tangible meaning the mindset or the, the information been passed down to a lot of us, even if we didn't have, you know, even if our parents or grandparents didn't pass us down assets physically, mm -hmm. if they would pass down just the mindset of how to go and get it, the value of ownership, right? Because we have generations of consumers. Right. We are a generation of consumers. We like to pay other people. We like to pay for products of other people. You know, we like to pay for, to rent where we live. We like to pay other people, you know, for clothes and all the other stuff, right? We don't really have, a lot of us don't have that mindset of owning. So, uh, you know, like you said, with legacy, that's one of the things you think of with a landlord because you passing down Hopefully not just assets, but you also pass down, like you said, the mindset, right? You're teaching your kids the value of owning 
your own. Right. Right. You know, yes, you may have to rent, pay the rent, to, you know, whatever, but you know the value of ownership. So, um, and we're not talking about a house, right? A house is fine, but, you know, you can have a house and still own property. But you need to know the value of owning, having tenants pay for your for your your way of living, right? That's that that's the financial freedom. Uh, teaching your kids that you don't have to go out here and go to school, get education, have all these student loans just to go work for somebody else. I mean, if that's what you choose to do, as far as going to school, you know that's your choice. But, but what's the I, value of it? But see, I, I'll say just my personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually regret that I went to college for as long as I did you know and what? having masters. Um, a lot I of people do right now, do. Yeah, I regret it. I regretted it after I graduated, of course. <laughs> Going through the process, I think that school for college for me, and I know this is kind of off topic, but college for me taught me how to, how to articulate and speak better to people. Um, it taught me oral and written communications, how to write better for sure. Um, and also, um, how to deal with people, but I could have learned that if I had started my own business, um, at a young age, but that goes back to the legacy that wasn't, that information wasn't given to me because the, um, parentage that I come from both of us, well, I don't know. Your dad's a bit different, but (laughs) the parentage, going to school, go to school, get your education, get your degree, and then come out here and compete. Basically, yeah, to work for a company, to work for a company, for somebody who owns that company, mm-hmm. right? Versus them saying, "Hey, create your own, create your own," right? And and I think that for our parents, they just didn't want us to go through the struggle. You know what I mean? Of trying to be an entrepreneur because you would see people like literally hustling. For instance, a musician. You hear about them being like, I'm talking about the old school, you know, musicians that would be like. I sold CDs out of my car or I was at this club every week and I don't care if I had to do two minutes set, you know, eventually they would give me 10, somebody famous would, you know, would be there to hear my music or a producer or whomever. That's kind of how it is in the non-entertainment world too, uh, when it comes to uh, building your own business or in this case, becoming a landlord, you know, you 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 grind these are for and then this information is for people who didn't come from wealth where you actually grinding to get that down payment or that you know what i mean that 20 percent or what however you choose to structure your loan to get that um those properties or that property um you you grinding you doing it you working a job and you like you know what this job is just to help me get my asset and that's the struggle that our parents didn't want us to go through they just they said hey you know you just want something where you needlessly don't have to think you just know you're gonna get paid either salary or hourly and you get your benefits and then at 65 yeah and at 65 or now it's probably gonna be 70 that's crazy you retire and then why i'm glad you said that because uh looking at the social security benefits I just read an article. Yeah. They're about to run out like the next 12 years. Yeah. I ain't going to hit y'all with some conspiracies. <laughs> but, uh, you know what I'm saying? That's a lot to think about. You up here working 
till 65 thinking that you're going to have that Social Security or pension, and it might not be there. So uh, it's kind of the time now to really start your own business. It is. I mean, and and a lot of people have done it. A lot of people starting their own business. Matter of fact, I read an article, and I wish I would have got it, where they were saying how I think black people, black people specifically, Mm -hmm. are the lowest people, I think, coming back into the workforce. Yes, yeah. Because they're starting their own own businesses. businesses. Yeah, um, that has been the ongoing issue um, for the last year, Mm -hmm. actually, because people have been asked to go back to work. And they're like, "Um, no, Mm -hmm. I'm not going back. And I don't need unemployment. I'm making enough money on my own because, you know, during COVID, you know, as um, traumatic as it, you know, was for us, everybody went through the same thing with, you know, COVID. What's so crazy is some people were actually blessed through that process, you know, what some people use for evil, God uses for good. And it, it allowed people to have time to sit back and reflect on things that they wanted to do before prior to entering a workforce that, you know, um, demonizes uh, black, you know, black labor, black and Mexican labor. I mean, like when I say it demonizes us, you go to work and you'll hear as a black, I, we both black, Ramon and I are both black. So as, when you go to work, you'll hear things that, you know, and it's like, okay, this is not a subjective conversation because not all black people are the way you think they are just because you saw some, a couple of black people on TV, you know, with gold teeth and blue hair. I mean, you know, acting all crazy on the news. It's like, really? But you, you you did just run up in the White House. <laughs> How quickly we forget. You know, there's so many things that you would hear at work that are just like, uh, I don't know. It, it, it would just make black people sound like, you know, we, we're just lazy or whatever. But I think a lot of what happened is a lot of us got comfortable and complacent mm-hmm. in the workforce because it was it was almost like, when you for me when I worked, it was almost like it was sucking the life out of me. You know what I mean? Like it was like every day you go to work and you're like, don't be, don't be you. I need you to be more like this. But you need to be more genuine. And it's like, okay, genuine to that motto that you have on the wall that means absolutely nothing to me because it's just a blank message. <laughs> you know, it's a blank, vague message in it. There's so much ambiguity it's ridiculous but yeah going back to why (laughs) um why aren't you the landlord i mean there's so there can be so many negative connotations that come with that oh you gotta wake up at 2 a.m to clean a shitter or the toilet or you got arguing tenants but for us it's been more good than there was bad. And in anything in life, you learn from, it's always like you learn from the bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you learn from that, you grow from that, and you move on from that. But if I had to go be in the workforce or being a landlord, or in our case, an investor, 
I'm definitely going to choose being an investor because the things that we've been able to experience have been greater than what I've learned on just working a job. Working a job, I'll say that gave me the ability to dream because that's pretty much all I did while I was working is dream of something else. But um, it keeps you it keeps you in that dream for years. That's the thing. It keeps you from Damn, I just heard this, somebody, it was like a quote or something I, I read, but it's basically like the job keeps you from, it keeps you from actually, basically just keeps you from starting your own your own shit, starting your right. own business. So, you know, you helping somebody else's dream. Right. Whatever company you at, you helping that company and the owner of that company to fulfill their dreams instead of yours. So, um and that's only if, if it's the case where you're in a job that you don't absolutely want to be there. You're just doing it strictly out of necessity. Yeah, some people you, some people love their job. Some yeah. people love, you know, what they do. And I can't, I can't knock them. Right. You know, it, it got to be somebody out here working. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, but for those who, who don't really like their job. <laughs> Which is man, most of America. <laughs> now's the time to, uh, you know what I'm saying, start your own thing. For real. Like, get out here and just do it. And we're not saying that becoming a landlord is something that you'll immediately see the results. It takes time just like anything else. Mm. Think about it like this. You go through four years of college and that's you going from class to class. If you were a um, full-time student, you're doing at least, what, 16? How, how many credit hours full, is it? Am I full-time? Yeah, full-time. And you're like anything from nine to... Yeah, 9 to 12. I 9 to 12. I mean, you're doing so many credit hours per semester. Yeah. Or, you know, and you think about all that time you put into reading a book. This, uh, for somebody, I'm saying, coming out of high school. We're not at all saying paying that you shouldn't go to books. college. Paying for books. You know, paying for housing, paying mm. for food, paying for student organizations, paying for all this stuff. But let's say you come out of high school and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to buy it. I'm going to ask my parents, instead of going to college, I'm going to buy a duplex. So you buy a duplex, and that time and effort that you would have put into that four years of going to a college institution or university, um, you can put that energy and time and money into building your financial wealth because college does not guarantee you financial freedom. Matter of fact, let's just scratch all that, and then we're going to go to the next one, right? Because this is the thing. You can't learn what you can learn in real estate when you start out. You don't. You can't really go to school for this stuff. Yes. Like, they have, they to, have go to be specific classes in certain places, and you won't even learn what you really, really need to know until you, like, and what is that, post-grad, like, going for your MBA type mm -hmm. of stuff. You know, you're going to... Warden, all these schools, these these top Ivy League schools that cost a lot of money, right? Right, and kids kids go there mainly really for networking. Yes. So when you come out, you gonna know who's who. You gonna be, you know what I mean. So that's really what you're paying for. But you need that real world experience. You know what I'm saying? So like you said, buying a duplex or a triplex or a unit, whatever, and learning how to manage that, learning how to deal with tenants, <laughs> all of that stuff. And you just see how that just quickly flips. So, uh, yeah, I, li I like being a landlord. 
I do too. I do too. The thing I don't like about is you deal with people. I love people, but you're dealing with people. So essentially you have to learn. But as a landlord, you get paid to deal with people. Yeah, you're getting you're paying yourself. They're paying to... you to deal with them. <laughs> as a tenant, you're paying me to deal with you. And if you're paying me to deal with you, I got a cost. Right. And it gotta be good enough cost me to deal with you. <laughs> if you paying me under market rent, I don't wanna deal with you. Uh, but we had, but but we've been we've been <laughs> in the situation where it was under market rent, and we've talked about that in past podcasts about how to raise rents and stuff like that. So please refer to any of our past podcasts for any topics that are um, what you're looking for. Mm. So uh, just moving on, um, return on investment, Ramon. Yes. Discuss that for me. For uh, us. Yeah, you don't there's no return on your investment. You invest in like what what is the average I thought I had it down, but it's like if you think about it, if you paying well, let's say twelve twelve hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Which is rent, average. Which is average. The US average now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the US average is twelve hundred and no, actually it's twelve hundred and nineteen dollars a month as of June first. So the average U.S. rent is $1,219 a month, right? So if we do the math, all right, because I don't feel like using my head. Oh, wow. $1,219 times 12. So that's $14,628 a year. Okay. So in one year, Mm -hmm. you just paid your landlord almost $15,000, and you are not getting a dime of that back. Correct. You don't have no say-so on that money. Correct. You can't say where that money should go. Correct. How that money should be spent. Correct. You know what I'm saying? You can't say, hey, let me put, can I put a couple thousand of that into uh, some investments? No, that money gone. That money is gone. All that do is paying for where you live. Right. Which you have no control over. Exactly. So I'm paying you 15000 a year mm-hmm. to live under your roof. Well, there is one thing that you can control. You can control what you put into the unit as far as like your furniture wait a minute Ramon I'm about to make a point please I'm about to make a point so you can control what you put into the unit how you you know different different the different way you live you Mm -hmm. can control how you live within those four walls but the person that you pay the money to controls the walls Mm. so that to me is I'm closed in. I don't have any option to get out. Yeah, you can't alter it or nothing. Right. So we got to think. Let's say you stayed at that apartment for two years. You just paid almost thirty thousand dollars. That, in most cases, even half of that, a lot of cases, will pay your down payment on on a house. If you feel like you want to go and buy a house that you own, but a duplex, triplex, four unit. You could have owned one for that much. Right. And just think about how much money you'd be controlling. You would not only control the the equity, you know what I'm saying, the value of that property, but you also control the interior, the four walls, (laughs) and the exterior, the driveway, 
the, the grass, <laughs> the backyard, the land, basically, the forest, the front yard. <laughs> so you gonna itemize everything? Huh? Hey. I control this outlet. When I control show, that light bulb. Yep. yep. Okay. <laughs> when they show you the plat line, the survey, and that that square box, whatever, you control everything in that. Right. Right. So you say so on what it, you know. What I mean, not to to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. But you the owner. You are the owner. You the owner of that land. And anything that's on that land. So it just makes sense. You know, we talk about return on investment. As a renter, you have none. It's zero. Zero. Nilch. As a landlord, it's endless. Yeah, I mean, some of the benefits, of course, of being a landlord we've discussed. But just to um, put some other benefits into perspective, as long as it's a well-chosen asset. I mean, you've done the numbers and made sure that the numbers make sense for you to buy this property. You're going to have predictable cash flow for the most part, (laughs) excellent returns, tax advantages, and you've diversified your portfolio. Um, So you can leverage real estate, meaning you can use real estate to gain whatever it is that you're trying to gain. Um, to build your wealth. So that's just some of some of the uh, some positives. of the highlights. Yeah, All right. The so highlights. so the next one is paying landlord bills. Well, we kind of say that as a landlord, you paying our bills. Yeah. So you are a tenant, you paying our bills. Yeah. Simple as that. But we give you a place to live, right? Make sure we fix everything. You don't want to be no slumlord. See, that's the thing. Is the difference between a landlord and a slumlord. Slumlord, he don't want to fix nothing, but he still wants you to pay him. Mm-hmm. On time. Sounds like it sounds like some some companies y'all work for. <laughs> they don't want to give you nothing, but they still want you there on time. Yes. Right. On time. Yeah. So you know, but you are paying the landlord's bills. So it'd be nice if you get on the other side of that, where the tenants is paying you, and you can see how that feels. So I'll say this. Okay. For instance. The median mortgage amount is about $1,600, right? So let's say you got a duplex. Your mortgage on that duplex is $1,600, right? Average rent is $1,200. So with a duplex, of course, they're going to pay some of your mortgage or a large part of your mortgage um, and you may have to pay the remaining just depending on how um, how it is in your market that allows you to pay $400 for the unit that you live in assuming that you've done an FHA loan and you're not charging that tenant $1,600 for rent but let's say you charge them $1,600 for rent on that renting that other side, they've paid your mortgage, uh-huh. and they they're paying. Let's say the tenant is paying their own utilities. They're responsible for their own yard, uh-huh. blah blah blah. Whatever you have set up in your lease, uh-huh. you don't have to pay nothing for mortgage. And let's say you do have a regular job, whatever you earn at your job or your work, working job is different, and and you can look up the definition. <laughs> But let's say you have a regular nine to five job, W-2 job, 
whatever you earn, you can do with it. That that money you have is yours to spend as you please. So basically what she's saying, if your rent is twelve hundred dollars, you paying all that rent. If your mortgage is sixteen hundred, but you got a tenant on the other side of you helping paying you that mortgage and they paying, let's say, half of that sixteen, you only paying eight hundred. Or you're paying, or they're paying. If they're paying a thousand, you only paying six hundred, right? So the the higher they're paying, the less you pay, the more money you get to keep in your pocket mm -hmm. from your job or wherever else you're making money off of, right? So, and not to mention, they're still helping you pay your mortgage down. They're helping you to pay the interest, the principal, right? And the, and the and the longer you pay your mortgage, the lo the longer the more you pay down your principal the more equity you're building in your property. So as your principal decreases, your equity your, oh, I said your equity. <laughs> your equity increases, right? So now you not only have money extra from your job because you got somebody helping you pay the rent, the mortgage, you also got equity money that you can tap into if you want in your property. Yes, and let's say that sixteen hundred mortgage is for both sides, and you don't live on site. You got both sides paying you sixteen hundred dollars, or no, I'm sorry, both sides paying you rent, and your mortgage is only sixteen hundred dollars. Yeah. So let's say you got one person paying twelve hundred, the other person paying twelve hundred. That's twenty four hundred dollars a month. Your mortgage is only sixteen hundred dollars. Now that's what we call cash flow. Yes, that you means got that. You have eight hundred dollars income. Yes. And if you live in, let's say you say, hey, you know what? I got this duplex. I live in one side. I'm renting out the other side. But let's say you say, you know what? I don't want to live here no more. I'm gonna move out. I'm gonna give me an apartment somewhere in a nice part of the city, and I'm gonna pay rent. I don't care. So you move out, you move a tenant in the unit that you live in. So now, like she said, you got two tenants in your duplex, both of them paying you rent. But you're paying rent at another apartment. But you have cash flow from the both of those tenants that now you can take that and pay it, use it towards wherever you're renting, which now decreases how much you're paying for rent where you actually want to stay. So that's a good that's a good situation where it's okay to rent because now you're not paying as much for rent. Right. Because you, got, you have passive income that's uh -huh. allowed. That's paying for your expenses to live. Exactly. All right. So now what's next? What we got? Uh, we talked about the generational wealth. You could pay off your pay debt. Pay off your debt. As a renter, you can't, you got to pay off your debt because you still got rent too. So you're paying rent and you got debt. Right. So now, now, that's why some people, they rent like, let's say they have a two or three bedroom, and then they get dead, they run into some money troubles, and they're like, well, shoot, I need to either move back home, or I'm going to go from this three bedroom down to a one bedroom, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, something cheaper, or I'm going to get some roommates to help me pay. Right. You know what I mean? Because now I need more money, you know what I'm saying? But if you had your own property, you would have a roommate. Technically, but they wouldn't live with you. They live on the other side of you. That's not a roommate. In a sense, that's a tenant. <laughs> it's a tenant, but you know what I'm saying. In a sense, it's like a roommate, right? If you got a duplex, they're on the other side of you, right? So, but you don't. They don't live with you. Mm -hmm. They pay you every month, 
and they're helping you pay down your, your your mortgage, right? They're helping you to pay your debt. So if you getting if you're getting cash flow, you can use that extra money to pay off your debt. Yeah. Or in, or if you have the equity in your property, you can tap into that equity and pay off your debt. Yeah. And there's that's, a way that you can do that that's really smart and that will keep your interest rates low. It's called a refi cash out. Yeah. That's one way. Yeah. And we talked about that in our previous mm. podcast. So Show you can did. look at com. Show <laughs> did. Mm-hmm. All right. So next one, tax deduction. Yes. As Man. A renter, as a renter, you can't deduct taxes on, on your apartment. At all. That's the owner. Even if you work from mm-hmm. home. In, I think in you can rental. a little bit. You can a little bit because you did. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. No, I'm not saying I didn't. I'm just saying, no, you can. You can, but it's not as much like when you own your property, right? Exactly. Because if 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 you're in a duplex, right, and you work from home, you can deduct the office space, your utilities, you know, cell phone, your gas, mileage, you know, car, if you, you, uh, any kind of repairs and stuff, if if that goes with your business, right, on top of... right. Your mortgage interest that you're paying, so you have so many things as a landlord that you can um, deduct on your taxes. It just makes it way more valuable. Yeah, and you get a greater. I just also want to mention you get a greater security too when you have a an occupied rental unit because you don't have to worry about squatters and all that other stuff. I just wanted to throw that in there. That's true. <laughs> so true. it allows you to have security because if somebody's living there, you don't have to worry about people trying to vandalize or break in and live on site for free. Because back in 2008, remember, a lot of people were abandoning their homes because they couldn't mm. afford to live there anymore. And that's where you find, um, you know, a lot of laws that were um, created because of squatters during that time people would literally just move into a house and say oh someone so i ain't living here so i'm just gonna live here and pay the taxes you know um (laughs) they wouldn't pay the mortgage but they would pay the taxes so yeah that also gives you a greater peace of mind because you have greater security Uh that's true what's the next one Fixed mortgage payment for 30 years. Yeah, you know what it's going to be for 30 years. It's pretty much going to be the same amount. And that's not including, though, your tax and insurance. Correct. Because they can 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 alter. alter, Yeah, they can increase Mm -hmm. for sure. And that's only if you have an escrow account. So if you're paying uh, your mortgage and you have an escrow account, your payment can change depending on your taxes and your insurance. But if you're paying your mortgage by itself... And you pay your tax, your property taxes, and insurance separately, then your mortgage is set for thirty years. Correct. That will not change. Correct. But your rent. <laughs> I told y'all about the lady. Her rent went from eight nine hundred dollars to two thousand dollars. That was a significant increase, and the reason why it increased is because that area is truly being gentrified, and, and there are, and there are businesses large corporations moving into the area that she lived in. Now, let's say she owned a home in that area. And I think about 10 years ago, a house in that area would be about, what, two, three hundred thousand? Three hundred thousand. We'll say lower lower threes um, to live in 
a part of East Austin. Mm-hmm. Whereas now you can buy a house on average around 750000 That's average. So this young lady, had she bought some years ago for 300000 her property on average, this isn't this is the low average, uh-huh. is seven hundred and fifty thousand uh-huh. dollars. Her mortgage would still be the same, but uh-huh. her house is worth more. The thing that would have increased over time would have been her taxes and possibly her insurance. Eh, you know, you don't know that. You know, well, she could have cashed out, walked away with well, five hundred thousand. Yeah. She could have, or 1031, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, she had options. Yeah, you got options. You know, when you attend it, especially in this day of time where the housing market is booming like it is, and people are moving all over the country, and that they were they were living in places like you know Frisco or New York where they were used to paying two three thousand a month for a one bedroom. Yeah, for a closet. Where they can come (laughs) down down south or someplace and then get a a three thousand square foot house. Or you know, or two thousand, you know, but they can rent. They can pay two thousand in rent, mm-hmm. but get a big ass crib, you know. Big. Um, so that is driving the rent prices up exponentially. And as a renter, it's gonna piss you off because yeah. you're like, man, this is crazy. Why they do? But you won't understand it unless you're an owner. Correct. The, you know, it, you're in the business to make money. You know, I mean, as long as you're not a slumlord, but you're in the business to make money. So if I'm renting this unit for a thousand dollars. But I got people that'll pay me fifteen hundred. Why would I only take a thousand just because you don't want me to raise the rent? As a, as from a business standpoint, that doesn't make sense. Because guess what? Like you said, my taxes still increase, which means I now owe more money. So if I'm only still charging you a thousand a month, it does not make financial sense for me to keep that rent at that low price. Mm-hmm. It makes sense for me to get as much as I can get. Right. Because the the state or the city, they are still increasing taxes. Yes, absolutely. So, um, it, like I said, it'll frustrate you as a renter, but become an owner and you'll understand it. Yeah, so that appreciation is, is great. I mean, that's also, as Ramon said, a great, <laughs> you know, great reason why um, you should be a the landlord. And I'll, also, two things is kind of off the subject. Um the flexibility to sell at the right time is good. So let's say market conditions aren't good for you to sell your house. We'll say a house, for instance. And you're like, okay, I really can't afford to live in this house, which has happened for some people um, because they increase in taxes. But somebody else can so that person that's moving from either coast, the west or the east coast, can afford to live here. So I'll rent out the unit and I'll go get me something else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that that flexibility for you is great because there are a lot of people in these gentrified neighborhoods that are seeing significant tax rate increases. Ooh, Nebraska is Omaha is hella crazy. You know, where some like they they taxes went up something like two hundred percent. In some areas that I've that I've heard, um, and it's like, well, if you can't afford to live there, don't sell it. If the mark, I'm just saying, if the market isn't good, the market wasn't good, don't sell it. Rent it out. You got that option because you're still able to gain equity and everything, you know, appreciation and all that on that home 
you're not living there. Someone else is paying for you to keep that asset. Meanwhile, you can go somewhere that's affordable for you. Um, and then let's say you like, hey, I've been living in this house, this big, beautiful house. I don't want to live here no more. My kids went away from college to college and it's too much room for me and my spouse. You can go back to that rental unit. You can move into your rental unit. Let's say that mortgage is it's in it's still in a decent neighborhood, the neighborhood that you would want to live in. Um, it has all the amenities of the area. It's still a nice home. And you're like, I'll just move back into my rental property. Uh-huh. So that gives you another option too to be a landlord. Yeah, you got options when you're a landlord. You do, you do. I mean, you got so much diversification, it's ridiculous. All right, so we're getting to the end. Uh, what we got? So land, some landlords don't allow pets. I know. That's a big one now. That's a big one. Everybody got a cat, dog, geese, duck, something. They bring Around them. here, chickens. Yeah, chickens. They, they trying to, yeah. So, you know, uh, like I said, some apartments, depending on where you're living, they don't allow pets. Or, or houses. Or um, duplexes or travel. Yeah. Any you know, units, uh, any whether it be a unit or a house. Uh, they may not allow pets. Or if they do. You got you to gotta pay, pay some fine or some fees. Excuse yeah, me. Four, five, hundred, you know, plus pet rent. Pet rent. Yeah. And some, uh, shoot, one apartment we stayed at, didn't they? Um, they had the, uh, the, the poop DNA. Yeah, you had to send your dog's poop to them and they would have it tested. So if you walking your dog and he poop and, and you, you don't pick it, it up, up, they can know who it is mm-hmm. and they'll send you a bill. They sure would. So I mean, you know, it, it's when you own though, hey, you can have as many pets as you want, <laughs> and you can, and but you can dictate your tenants too. Yeah. You know, hey, you can only have one pet, two pets, or whatever, right? So uh, that is a big one though nowadays because. A lot of people got pets. Yes, yes. And people get attached to their pets, too. Uh-huh. So they don't be wanting to give that up. They like, okay, if I got to pay $500 for little, uh, the, the my little dog, little spot, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I'll pay $500. And then they have a cat, you know, which a lot of landlords, oh, my God, cats can be a hassle if they, you know, use the bathroom in the house because of that urine smell Mm -hmm. like it's so they release some chemical the male cats do and it's so strong it's hard to get out of carpet and the padding so you literally have to pull up the flooring yeah we know about that yeah we've done that a couple of times so (laughs) you gotta yeah Mm -mm. yeah i don't know if i let cats you had to take a little bit more money for cats. Yeah. Like but you, you can't discriminate against pets, I think. I think if you charge, if you charge a two, let's say, for example, $250 deposit, it has to be the same for each type of animal. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you might be right. If you're not right, I'm just sure it's a thousand for a cat. A thousand for a cat. A thousand. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> at least I'm the nice one. It would be the same for a cat and a dog. Cat, cat, crazy. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I think we uh, just kind of hit you up with the pros and cons. Well, more pros, more, more cons as far as not being a, a owner. Right, right. But you know, y'all think y'all get the gist. It just makes more sense to be a, a landlord 
And you don't got to be the, you know, the mom or pop land, landlord, you know. You can hire property management. Yeah. If you want to. You yeah, know? if you don't want to if you don't want to be hands-on, you know, a uh, property manager might charge you 8 to 10% mm-hmm. of your monthly earnings. Um, that could be the smart way for you to go to focus on that work that you want to do. You know, work is done with the mind. A job is usually done with the hands um, and um, you're giving that time to someone else in a job. Whereas with work, you're giving that time to yourself and you're putting energy into what you want to do. That's the difference between it. For me, between a job just over broke and work. And the key is just to own. Is to own. A man walking on his own floors can hold his head high. You know? Yep. So, hey. Think that's about it? Yeah, that's about it. We're going to go ahead and wrap up. We just wanted basically to, you know, touch base with y'all because we haven't recorded since, what, June? Yes, it was June. I ain't keeping track. It was June. So we took a summer break, you know, just like the the kiddos do. (laughs) And come back to work after Labor Day. So you saying we was on CPT time? Yeah, nah, we went on no CPT time. Okay. I said CPT time. Wow. Uh, we went on no CP time. Yeah, I did say CPT time. <laughs> CP time. Okay. Yeah, we was, you know, just taking that much needed necessary break. Yeah, it's busy as a landlord. Investor. And investor. Owner. Yeah. And, you know, work, working and, and, and creating biz, other businesses. Um to invest in but I think I just want somebody especially now that I know that a couple of young people listen to us take this away from what we're saying everybody isn't fit for college if you decide to go to college that is your business do what you do good good on you because Ramona and I have both been to college for me um, I know I told my therapist, he said, what was the biggest regret in your life? I was like going to college. He was like, really? Why would you say that? And I'm like, because I never made much money. And that for me was the goal. I wasn't satisfied, nor did I make um, very much money working in corporate America. Mm-hmm. Now I'm making more money working for myself and having an asset that my husband and I built together. Um assets that my husband and I built together. And if I'm if I was to come out of high school, let's say have a summer job, learn as much as you can if you do decide to get a job. Don't go to work every day saying, "Ooh, I hate this job." Sometimes jobs give you the opportunity to grow. They do. They give you the opportunity to grow because you can look at different look at different um, people's management styles, the different work ethics. Um, You can learn business models. You can learn a lot of things. And I think for Ramon and I both, um, we learn that um, at places that we've worked. You learn different things that you can apply to your own business. Now, I'm not saying do it forever, like work for somebody forever. But if you don't feel comfortable coming out of high school, going to college, but you're like, I got to get a job. I need, you know, some, some source of income, learn as much as you can and be, be happy doing that because your greater goal is to earn enough money that you can put for an FHA 
3.5% down to move into a duplex, quadplex, or triplex, or if you decide to buy a home, a house, you know, to be a rental property, you could do that too. Um, but once you get into that duplex, triplex, quadplex, or that single family house, that is where the college, re uh, the college of hard knocks, real life experience begins. And it is a journey. Now, as we know, when you go on journeys, journeys are very scenic. So allow that time that you're learning yourself as a young lady or a young man in investing, allow that journey to, to teach you. You learn things about yourself. You'll learn things about other people in business because a lot of people in business, honestly, no matter how much money they have and how many properties they have, a lot of people are faking it till they make it <laughs> uh -huh. because they're trying to figure it out just as well as you. So age has nothing to do with um, wisdom and experience. It's all about the knowledge that you gain, okay? So you that's coming into the world that's graduated from high school, go out there and experience things. Ask somebody, an investor or um, somebody uh, that is in real estate, successful in real estate, ask them to mentor you, you know, but you have to bring something to the table. You can't just say, okay, I want you to give me as much information as possible. You might have to go pick up coffee. You got to do something. You're going to have to earn your keeps around here, you know, um, but don't quit. Don't quit. I mean, there's plenty of times that you just be like, just to be candid, you'll be like, fuck it. I'm done. I'm tired. These people are driving me crazy. And this is coming up and this is happening. And then like a moment later, you're like, you know what? But this is my business. I woke up every day for so many years. Now I'm speaking to the person that is more seasoned in life. Um, I woke up for so many years working from eight to five at a place I didn't want to be at, but I had to do it because I got kids. I got, I got to pay student loans. I got to pay a car payment. I got to pay a mortgage. I got to pay rent. I got to do, you know, you, there's so many priorities that you have in life and you're like, I got to do it. I got to wake up and go to work. Why don't you take that time and energy that you're putting into going to a job, not work, excuse me, that you're putting into going to a job and turn that into your work, something that you want to do to create your legacy and generational wealth. That's my tangent. I love y'all. All right. I think that sums it up. All right. So we are Kendra and Ramon. We want to thank you so much for listening to the Slow Wealth Podcast. That is Success Lives on Elevation. We are at invest at slowwealth.com. So if you want to hook up with us, you've got questions about how to become a investor and investor or how to... Um, maybe do business with us, invest at slowwealth.com. That is I-N-V-E-S-T at S-L-O-E-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. And we are on Facebook at slowwealth.com. Uh, we're on Google, well, all podcast platforms. What else are we on, Ramon? Help me out here. Instagram, slowwealth. Instagrams. Instagrams. Yep, we out there. We out here. We out here. We're on Spotify, Apple Play, Apple, Apple, uh, iTunes. <laughs> I am terrible at this part, y'all. I'm so sorry. We are on iTunes. 
We are on Google Play. We are on Amazon Music. We are on all podcast platforms. We also have a YouTube channel where we do interview um, people who are not only in real estate, but they have also gained their own specialty of acquiring wealth. One who is currently is she is she is she signed with Rockefeller Records? Is it Rockefeller? Oh, Nicole. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but she doing some. She doing something. Yeah, she, she. They had her. They had her uh, album on the Billboard in, in uh, Times in New Square. York. Yeah, in Times Square. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we've we've spoken to all facets of people, and we have so many more interviews coming up for y'all. We cannot wait for the greatness to come with Slow Wealth. So become a part of the Slow Wealth family, and uh, yeah, check out our YouTube channel, SlowWealth.com. S L O E W E A L T H. And uh, just to close us out, Ramon, do you have anything to add? Buy some property. Buy some property. All right. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God will not protect you. Your feet are about to be planted in rooms no one thought you were qualified for. So you can cash that and take that to the bank, baby. We love y'all. Holla. Peace.